Well, let's go to the second chapter of the book of Joshua this morning. And uh, I was going to try to go through the whole chapter today, but I realize there's, I'm sure there's some questions after I get through with verse 7. And so I'm going to try to inadequately, I have to admit, try to answer uh, the thing that will certainly be on your mind as we read through this. I'm not saying that I have all the answers to this. I don't know either. And I'll just give you some possibilities uh, on this particular issue that we'll be bringing up. Let's read the first seven verses. And it says here, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not, or I know not, whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out, whether the men went out I want not, pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued them after them were gone out, they shut the gate. Now we have before us in this chapter the story. And when I say story, you know I don't mean in any kind of fictional way. But just the way to describe the events that's taking place here. But we have the story of Joshua sending forth the two spies into the land of Canaan. Probably one of the more familiar uh, incidents or stories that we do find in the book of Joshua. I know there are others, but this one kind of stands out, of course, because we see some issues dealing in the New Testament regarding it. <clears throat> now, I'm sure this must have reminded uh, Joshua of himself some 40 years previous, because we know that he was sent out into this land to go out and to spy the land, as we see here in verse 1, that Joshua here now sends out two others, and Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. So, just as it was a good precautionary measure for Moses to send in those spies, those 12 spies into the land of Canaan, so it was for Joshua in order to know the strength, in order to know the weaknesses of the enemy. And so Joshua sends them forth. This goes to show us here that even though God has made his promises, that, you know, he's, he's given them the land, he's promised that, he's also promised that uh, he will overcome their enemies, yet precaution is still seen forth here in the actions of Joshua. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's a very uh, smart thing to do. Again, we are to count the cost. We're not to go into anything blindly. Uh, you say, well, I thought we we're to do all this by faith. Well, faith is not blind. Faith views the promises of God and it uses the means by which God has ordained uh, in nature as well as in the Word of God itself. And so we see Joshua doing just what his master, that is Moses, had done it at a previous time, and that was to send out the spies to check over the land, to view it, and in particular to look at the city of Jericho, because we see here this is one of the first cities that they will be taking 
and overcoming. So verses 1 through 7, here's what we see. The men are sent and received by Rahab, who in turn hides these two spies. Now, these two men are to go into the land secretly, and they're to spy out the land. And in particular, as we mentioned, they're to spy out the city of Jericho. If you have a map, if you want to turn there in the back, you can. It's all right. Uh, one of the plates, it shows that uh, the city of Jericho lies just on the other side of the river Jordan. So once they go in at that particular place where they're going to cross that, they will be almost at the doorsteps, as it were, of the city of Jericho. And obviously, the men of Jericho are very aware that there is a large nation uh, camped out probably for several months on the other side of Jordan. So this is not something that, oh my, there's somebody over there and they're coming to visit us. This is something obviously that they have known. In fact, from the king's words in verse 2, we see that he was very aware of what was going on. And so, as they arrive here at this uh, at the city, and then they go into this house that is occupied by a woman named Rahab. We see they again in verse 1, and they went, the last part of that, and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. You'll notice in verse 1 what she called there. Well, not only do we see her name, we saw something, we see something of a, we think here, a previous application. Occupation. She was a harlot. She was a woman who at one time made her living in fornication. So she was a very wicked woman. She was a woman who did not regard the law of God in this particular matter. And of course, what this denotes for us is, is of course, the sovereign grace of God. God in His mercy, God in His great grace in justifying such a sinner as this uh, by the righteousness of Christ and received by faith alone. One of the amazing things we see of this, of course, is that she is mentioned at least two times in the New Testament. The first time is mentioned in the very uh, passage dealing with faith itself in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and in particular, verse 31. Uh, We read these words. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished, not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies... With peace. Now we can have a rightful and a lawful inference here. We know that she did believe because one, we see that back in the text itself in uh, Joshua's account. And here it says, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with those who believed not. And she also demonstrated her faith by hiding the spies and being peaceful to them. Look over in the book of James, chapter 3, or excuse me, chapter 2. And verse 25. Likewise, here is James here is, is uh, defending the idea that a man is justified, yes, by faith, but that faith will have works. So we're not saying that just because we say it's by faith alone that there's no other graces wrought in the soul. We certainly believe that there are. That's just our enemies telling us, telling you that we don't believe that. We obviously do. We believe what James says, that a man is justified by faith and that that faith is demonstrated by his or her works, just as with Rahab. Notice in verse 25, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? And so we see here in the two places in the New Testament which speaks of Rahab, one of the things that's demonstrated showed us here is one, her faith, 
that she was justified by faith. She did these things by faith. And the very things that she did is also related to us here in James chapter 2 and verse 25. She hid the spies. Instead of being enemies to these spies, she in reality was very peaceful to them. In fact, she hid them. Now, another interesting thing about this, when we do come to the New Testament about Rahab, is that when it speaks of her in Hebrews and also in James, she retains the name of the sin in which she traded in, as it's revealed back in Joshua's account. Look back again, Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1, she's called a harlot. He goes and they go into the harlot's house named Rahab. When we come to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, it's the harlot Rahab. When we come to James chapter 2, verse 25, it's the harlot Rahab. Here again, something very amazing, isn't it? This does magnify the grace of God. She is known in every place that denotes her. In Joshua, she's known as a harlot. In the New Testament, in James, and in Hebrews, she's known as a harlot. Here again, magnification of the grace of God. But where sin abounded, the Bible says, grace did much more abound. Now, while she did retain the name of harlot, we do not believe she retained the practice of a harlot. Because again, that would certainly be contrary to... New Testament grace, or for that matter, Old Testament grace. She did not practice the sin of fornication after she became a Christian. Now, Rahab is known in the New Testament as one who was justified by faith alone and who demonstrated that faith by her works. And her her works, then, was what we see here in Hebrews chapter 2, or excuse me, Romans, and Joshua chapter 2, dealing with hiding the two spies, as we read there in verses 1 through verse 7. And it can only, now notice this, uh, where did they show up? Where did these men just happen to come along this big walled city? And uh, they get in through the gates, obviously, and they just happen to show up at Rahab's house. What luck! These fellows had. Well, not really. We don't believe in that, do we? We believe that these men were providentially guided into this place. It wasn't just by mere accident. It wasn't by dumb luck, as some would say today, uh, that these two spies came to Rahab's house. They were sent there in the secret, by the secret counsels of God. And in the working out of his providence, they do show up there at Rahab's house. Another amazing thing here is that this, of course, or she, of course, and whoever else of her household were of God's elect. And so God does take care of his children. And here, and think of this, here in the city of Jericho, God has his elect. Rahab, we know, who was justified by the grace of God, by the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, which is the outworking of being one of the elect of God. And what a least likely place to find one of God's children in the city of Jericho. 
Here was a land, including this city here, that was given over to sin and idolatry. You remember, God is sending the nation of Israel in in order to, one of the reasons is to punish them. Punish them for their wickedness. Punish them for their sin, for their idolatry, for all the things that we saw read there in, in uh, Numbers and Leviticus here recently. Some of the gross sins that they were guilty of. Even Rahab herself was a fornicator at one time. She traded in that lifestyle. She made a living in that sin. And yet, a land given over to idolatry and sin, and yet God has His children there. So again, something of the amazing grace of God. Secondly, this is one of the first cities to be destroyed by the army of Israel. So again, how unlikely in human thinking and human reasoning would we expect to find one of God's elect here in this city? We would have to say, humanly speaking, boy, the odds would really be against it, wouldn't it? But, again, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And yet, here she is. Again, the work of God at play. And uh, otherwise, it would not have occurred, would it? They show up at the right door. They show up at uh, Rahab the harlot's house, who was a believer in Jehovah. But as often as God's work, or He does work, there will be opposition to it. And this is what we see now beginning in verse 2. Notice this. The king. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. So here we see the king, who obviously is not one of God's elect that we're aware of. He is worried. He's concerned. He even sends... Uh, men to Rahab's house because for somehow in some way he finds out that Rahab has taken these men in or at least have appeared at her doorstep. If she was dwelling on the wall, which is pretty uh, probably what she was doing, it would have been, a, pretty, been an obvious thing that men, strangers, two of them showing up at the door of her house. And so this filters back to the king. And so the king then has concern. He's in opposition. He isn't ready to receive, as James says, that Rahab was, these men in peace. And as a king would, who is being going to be invaded, he would throw all of his resources in order to try to uh, destroy this country, or this, these people. Then verse 3, we see that the king does know for sure. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And so now he not only knows, but he sends his uh, guards, as it were, to them, to her, to bring them out. And then in verses 4 through 6, Rahab, though, Hides, hides the spies and deceives the king. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist, and that children is uh, 16, 17th century English for no, uh, I wist or I know not whence they were. I don't know where they came from, she says. I don't know what, you know. Just showed up at my door. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I won't not, or I know not. Pursue after them quickly, for he shall overtake them. So we see here that the uh, Rahab, obviously, 
deceives the king. She didn't do what she said. She Only part of what she says is true. The rest of it, obviously, is untrue. Because we read in verse 6 a contrary statement. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they were pursued after them, they were gone out. They shut the gate. Now, what we see in verses 4 through 6 in particular is that Rahab does hide the spies. And that is what is commented upon in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Going back there, you don't have to turn there. 11 and verse 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that blame it when she had received the spies with peace. In other words, when they came to her door, she didn't send one of her family members to the king and say, Look, I've got two of the enemies in my very house right now. Come quickly. So she, in turn, hides the spies. She protects them. That is what James, as well as Paul in Hebrews, comments upon her faith in doing that. But we also see here in verses 4 through 6, and especially verses 5 and 6, these are her own words in verses 5 and 6, that she deceived the king. Now, she does manifest her faith, according to Hebrews and James, by hiding the spies. And so the question now comes up, I think, which most have regarding this incident is, did Rahab lie and thus sin when she said what she said in verses 4, 5, and 6? And not only lying, but she would be doing what would amount to treason. So there's two things really involved here. You know, Romans chapter 13 says that we're to be submissive to our kings and rulers over us. So not only is it just seemingly here, not only does it to us seem like she's lying and being very deceptive, but she's committed uh, a capital offense, at least under our Constitution and in most nations as well, a she committed treason and obviously in a time of war, which is a capital offense. She could be put to death for that. So she puts her own life here on the line in hiding the spies and also in deceiving the king and as we would look at it as treason. So what do we do with this? Well, I, for one have been asked before about it, and I just kind of shrug my shoulders and say, basically, I really don't know how to answer that. And I'll be bold enough to tell you that. I can give you the reasons what men have said regarding it. I have my druthers, and which one I believe. I, uh, I'll tell you it's number three that I'm about ready to give you. But these are basically the three things that have been given in order to answer these charges against Rahab. You can take them as you will. I'm sure some of you have already got all this figured out, and that's fine. We're just really impressed. But uh, I don't. And so if you feel you need to tell me, I'll be listening. First of all, some have sought to justify her actions by stating that since she now is a believer and that Israel is her friend and Jericho now her enemy... And this was a time of war. Deceit and deception then is justifiable. That's been one of them. And we do see this in Scripture, by the way. Elisha uh, tricking 
uh, the Syrian army. And uh, many, no one complains about that, but for some reason they complain about this one here. I don't buy it, but I'm just telling you, there are, there are incidents when our nation, other nations, we see them in the art, we see them in scripture, that uh, armies, uh, people, kings do deceive in some way, some sense, uh, their enemies in the time of war, and thus they consider it justifiable. If you were a spy, you wouldn't go over to Russia, for instance, and right across your forehead, I am a spy for the U.S. of A. No, you would go under and be deceptive about it. You know, my name is uh, Ingor, or whatever they call themselves over in Russia. I mean, you would give yourself a Russian name and all that kind of thing in order to be deceptive so that you could accomplish the mission that your nation sent them. Well, they say that is what they say. Uh, in regard that her deceit then, because it was a time of war, is justifiable. The second one is, is the way and manner she states things were not a lie, that is, period. They just, just say, well, she just didn't lie here. Well, it's kind of hard to reconcile that with what we understand as truth. But that is a, one of the answers that some have used to refute that she, was, she just wasn't lying. She didn't tell all that, you know, I honestly cannot figure that one out, but that is one of the ones that I have read of and heard preached in regards to this. I realize it's hard to reconcile, but that is one of the ways around it, they said. And then there's number three, which is one I hold to, and I say this very cautiously. I say this with uh, humility, knowing that I don't know it all. I'd hate to impute sin on anyone who did not sin, but it sure seems to me that she lied and thus, a lie is a transgression of God's law. She sinned. And not only that, uh, she also committed treason. Romans, you can read, we won't take the time this morning, but you can read Romans chapter 13, verse 1, 1 Peter 2, verse 17. I could see this one being more justifiable, because one... We are to swear allegiance to God before we swear allegiance to man, the king. And so that's just nothing more than denying self, denying family, denying, denying nation in order to be a disciple of Christ. But the lie, on the other hand, is difficult to explain. I do believe she lied. Again, I'm not trying to be mean to Miss Rahab. She's probably a far godly woman than I'll ever be a godly man. You thought I would say godly woman, didn't you? <laughs> I was ahead of you on that one. Uh, but I think she did transgress the law of God here. Let me just read you. This is from this commentator's name is George Bush. It's not the George Bush you know of, but it's another George Bush that lived in the last century. Unfortunately, this guy apostatized, but um, up to this point, uh, he was pretty sound. Here's what he said. It's rather lengthy, so hold on. Having been born and brought up among the depraved Canaanites, she had probably never been taught the evil of lying, other than what's written on nature. And least of all, where an apparent good end was to be answered by it, which most people do believe, the end, the means justify the end. That's a common thought. They even charged the Apostle Paul with it, though he didn't do that. So that's what he's saying here. From the uniform testimony of travelers and missionaries, it is evident that among all heathen nations, particularly those of the East, lying ever has been and still is a practice of universal prevalence and of the criminality of which they have scarcely any sense. 
So weak is the feeling of obligation as to the observance of strict veracity, that means truthfulness, that even apparently sincere converts have the greatest difficulty in freeing themselves from the habit of lying and need to be perpetually admonished on that score. What wonder then that Rahab, a poor, ignorant, heathen woman, upon whose mind the light of a saving knowledge had just begun to dawn, should have uh, can't say the word. Uh, I'll just say it this way. She went into the trying circumstances in which she was placed. How much allowance precisely is to be made for her on this ground, we may not know. But God does. To him we may leave it, that it should go somewhat in abatement of her guilt. If guilty she were, we have no doubt. In other words, this woman was a very sinful woman. She was saved by the grace of God, by the imputed righteousness of Christ. That does not eradicate the sinful nature that is still there. Yes, true, the dominion of sin is done away with, but we still have remaining corruption. And this was the temptation she fell in. That's how I would answer it. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily the correct answer. And so... I'll leave you with that. Let me close with some applications. First of all, see the fact that words themselves do not, excuse me, works themselves do not justify. We see this in the, in the light of Rahab. If works did justify, and if she did sin, here in Joshua chapter 2, she would have forfeited it, wouldn't she? Because she, we see her sinning. We see her lying. No, but in reality, we are justified by the righteous of one who did not sin. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that received by faith alone. Not by works, because once again, Rahab didn't have perfect works, as we see here. Secondly, though certainly true, we are justified by faith alone. There will be, though, good works. Rahab did turn from her friends. She turned from her nation. She turned from her king in order to rightly serve God and his people. That's the fruit of justifying faith. We will deny all for Christ who has saved us and worked out our salvation for us. And thirdly, though, there will be good works even in the midst of sin. If we take the position she did sin, this is only true to Christian experience according to the word of God, isn't it? When I would do good, sin is present with me. Romans 7. So this is, she lives up to a, a true Christian's testimony, doesn't she? While there is good works in her life, life, we also see though, we find some things that are disagreeable to God's word. And who cannot say that here of themselves this morning? You may look haughty down at your nose at Miss Rahab, but have you not lied since you've been converted? Have you not deceived someone since you've been converted? Of course you have. Have you not done other sins since you've been converted? Of course you have. Are we excusing those sins? Of course not. We're just talking about the facts here this morning. We do sin. We have an advocate because we do sin. Jesus Christ the righteous. Fourthly, we offer no one here Rahab's sinful conduct. As an example to anyone. In other words, ah, Rahab lied and the pastor said it looks like it's okay to him. I didn't say any of that. 
I did say she lied, but I never said it was okay. And even if you take the position that, okay, she lied, but in God's sight it was justifiable because it was a time of war, even if you use that excuse, it doesn't fit everyday affairs, does it? You are not in the midst of war. So you have no reason to be treasonous at this point, and you have no reason to lie. So put it away. That's what Paul says. Put away lying. Speak truth to every man. That would apply to Rahab as well, and to you here this morning. To be sure, though, men will, just as they've used David's sin to justify their own sin, but we cannot do that. What we do set forth here this morning for you as a rule of righteousness and what the Bible sets forth in this place as a rule or example is this, Rahab's faith. And that faith was demonstrated by her hiding the spies, being peaceful towards the people of God.